Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy. Available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. With five seconds, he's going to throw it. Howard leaps. He has it. Touchdown, Carolina. Back from the dead to tie the game with two seconds to go. Snap back, spot down. The kick is cleanly away. It is good. And it's <laughs> with yes, a sir. 54-yard field goal. And how about them Tar Heels? They do it. Here's Kupak. Gives off to Amos. He's good. He's good. He's good. He's Jordan back to kick. It's blocked again. Picked up. It'll be a touchdown, Carolina, for Bracey Walker. He blocks his second punt and scores his second touchdown of the season. It's 14 to 13. Mr. Jordan meet Mr. Walker. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast on Spreaker.com. We welcome in, guys, from the Pick 6 previews. It is Brett Ciancia. I am so glad that I get to have this guy on because he is, him as, along with uh, your partner, you guys are the best guys when it comes to predicting what's going to happen in the NCAA every season because when we talk college football um, we've we've seen you know everybody talks about Phil Steele Athlon sports everything like that but you guys have consistently been the most accurate out of all of the college football previews so you know what does it feel like to you know first of all have that honor and, and to be someone that college football fans you know throughout the country really look up to and, and really follow for uh, some information on their team yeah thanks so much Anthony for having me on and thanks for all the praise uh, it, it's been a blast the last seven years uh, since we launched pick six previews uh, we launched as a college football preview site uh, previewing the power five conferences I guess at that time it was the BCS, but, uh, you know, the power leagues, uh, giving detailed uh, analytics and and write-ups on each team and uh, really forecasting seasons out. And over the last seven years, uh, we've been rated the most accurate above all those magazines and newspapers and anything online. There's a a third-party website, Stats and Accuracy, that grades uh, all the predictors out there. And we've, uh, over seven years since our launch, been number one. So uh, it's been a blast. I think the goal of the site really was to, kind of do, make our own angle on everything. I mean, obviously some of these, these companies are successful. Uh, we feel a lot of the national guys are a little bit too broad. Um, so me and my, my founder, Mike Nalazia, we really love digging into these programs. I mean, I could talk an hour on Kansas football, you know what I'm saying? So I love digging into these programs. UNC has a lot of intrigue around this new hire and uh, excited to talk with you uh, 
about 2019 coming up. Yeah, well, we're not going to go with the hour-long version. We're going to cut you down just a little bit, just a little bit. But, uh, you know, I wanted, you know, to first off ask you about that Mac Brown hire. There were a lot of people that were a little on the fence about it. But, you know, I think just looking at the hire, it made a lot of sense for where the Tar Heels are. And then when you see the staff that he brings together for what they could be down the line, do you see it kind of the same way? Or is this one of those ones that you kind of are left scratching your head saying there were some other guys out there, maybe like a Scott Satterfield or, you know, someone else that, that may have caught your attention? No, I think you nailed it on the head there. So, I mean, I noticed a lot of the national pundits uh, just throw a one-liner at this, like, oh, Max too old, or, uh, like, Max, you know, he's out of touch with modern football. I mean, that, that's a, such a lazy take. you got to really dig into this because Mac Brown, historically, you'd call him a CEO-type head coach where, uh, you know, he gives a lot more, he delegates a lot more responsibility down to his coordinators and the rest of his staff. Uh, he puts on the good face of the program, wins over recruits with his persona, uh, and the whole bit. So you see all of that coming to fruition. You can't just create it on Mac Brown's name alone. You want to have to dig into this staff and see what he's done. And uh, we're going to break down both sides of the ball in the show. But, I mean, very quickly, I mean, the Phil Longo hire, definitely cutting edge offensively with the air raid. Uh, Jay Bateman also cutting edge with the uh, you know the hybrid uh, type players, the positionless football. Uh, so we'll dig into both of those on each side of the ball. But, yeah, I, I think it's a great hire. It makes a lot of sense. Um, I think it's it's created a ton of buzz around UNC. You see that um, uh, UNC is in the top 10 or top 12 in the 2020 recruiting rankings right now. Uh, just a ton of buzz. I saw the spring game had a ton of big uh, visitors, something that isn't really common to happen at a UNC spring game. So I think it's a lot of positive momentum. I think the coordinator hires were great, and we'll dig into it more. Yeah, well, let's look, just quickly talk about that recruiting that you mentioned. And right now, inside the top 10 in both of the major uh, recruiting sites' rankings, they've got 24-7 Sports has them in 10th, and Rivals has them in 9th as of right now. So when you look at you know that impact from you know Mac Brown's return, I mean, he's gone into the state of Texas and gotten a guy. He's gone into the state of Arkansas. So we're not just talking about him reestablishing himself in North Carolina. He He's really gone back to the places where he had a lot of success. You know, is he seen as a guy that right now is, you know, sort of a threat on the recruiting trail to some of these big time programs, if, if not the big time programs, at least some of the middle level programs or the teams that are on the fringe of competing for, you know, a playoff spot? Yeah, I think definitely he's a force in recruiting, but more so his staff, like I said. Um, well, I mean, Mac Brown himself, yes. I mean, he's got name recognition. All the parents in the, in, the, you know, in the high school football world know who he is. He won a title 13 years ago. Not many guys have done that over that span, right? So he has the, the name recognition right away. Uh, but more importantly, uh, bringing in Tim Brewster, uh, definitely an ace recruiter. Yeah, he was always a right-hand man for Jimbo Fisher, a great recruiter too. So you have Tim Brewster out there. Obviously, Longo and Bateman were the two, you know, cutting edge systems and uh, being able to identify with the with the youth there. Plus, you, uh, I think underrated guy Dre Bly, uh, having a former star, uh, you know, a former UNC star that made it all the way up to the pros. Um, you know, being able to kind of pitch his experience, his firsthand experience, being in their shoes, uh, I think is a, is a great thing. And, uh, and and just given UNC's geographical footprint, I know you said they're going a, a bit out of the uh, out of state, but uh, I think that they're in a really good spot there. Um, and it's doable. We've seen it done before. I think um, Butch Davis came in and landed a top ten class. Um, and uh, yeah, so and you know, last 
10, 15 years, they're always hovering around that 25, top 25 area, top 30. So to see Mac Brown uh, come in here already having the top 10 is, is definitely encouraging without having played a snap. And this is off of a 2-10 and 10 season, so um, it's definitely encouraging. Well, let's head right into what we were going to talk about, which is both sides of the football for this 2019 season. And we'll start with Phil Longo's offense. A year ago in Ole, at Ole Miss, he was pretty successful. Uh, you know, there were some, you know, people that were a little concerned with the fact that his red zone offense may not have been where it quite needed to be. But overall, the offense was able to move the ball, something that Carolina's offense a year ago just wasn't able to do due to a limited playbook by the quarterback position that really just did not have a consistent guy there. Nathan Elliott just didn't have the arm strength. Chaz Surratt fizzled out and has now moved to line linebacker and there are two guys that are in this year's competition but both guys when they first came in and showed some a a little bit of spark both of them got injured so now they are back Cade Fortin and Jace Ruder are back Sam Howell joins the race that's the prize recruit from the 2019 class you know when you look at this quarterback battle I've been talking about it throughout this offseason it's a little bit different because in the past couple of years, it's really been a quarterback battle because of the lack of talent or in, in the past lack of experience. But now it seems like there is a little bit of experience under the belt for Fortin, uh, just a little bit for Ruder. But really, it's more about talent. When you look at this quarterback battle, do you feel the same way? And who do you think actually emerges to start week one against South Carolina? Yeah, I think it's still a three-way race. I saw a quote from Mac Brown saying how uh, he doesn't want his players to worry about depth chart yet. Uh, just try and learn the system, learn the scheme, and uh, that'll play itself out in fall camp and maybe a little bit into September. Uh, some, some small things I picked up on, I liked Sam Howe in the short you know, short passing game and kind of making his first reads effectively in the spring game um, because you got to remember this is a beast of an offense to learn. Um, we're talking air raid, kind of the, the Mike Leach, how mommy, you know, four verts, um, you know, they're, they're like four verts, crossing routes, uh, flood concepts. So it, it's going to be a lot to handle, a lot of reads for the quarterback. So it's going to be tough for, for the young guys. I think Sam Howell eventually pulls away um, based on what I saw in the spring game. I know it's a really small sample size, but that's what we're dealing with with three freshmen, you know, QBs in a battle. Uh, he was a four-star kid that they pulled out of Florida State, uh, Florida State's grasp, and that was Willie Taggart that was desperate to land a QB. So, you know, they, they threw the full arsenal at him, and, and Mac Brown still secured him. So um, I think he ends up winning it, but, again, that, that really could go either way. I think overall, though, I think that whoever emerges, it'll be solid. Uh, it'll be competent quarterback play. Um, and another concern on the offense I have is a little bit in, in the interior line, that's center and guard and guard. Um, you know, the tackles were, were decent in pass protection last year. The interior of the line has a little bit of work to do. The good news with that, though, is that in the in the air raid uh, offense, it kind of mitigates an offensive line's weakness. You have the wide splits of the linemen. Um, you know, it makes it that much harder to get to the quarterback. And a lot of quick, uh, quick snap throws and snap decisions to get the ball out of the box pretty quick. So I think that weakness might be mitigated a little bit. Uh, going into into year one here. 
So uh, do you think that the running game is really going to help this 2019 offense? Because it feels like maybe out of every position on the team, this might actually be the strongest. I think D-line may give it a run, but this running back group is loaded. You got Michael Carter, a guy who, you know, drew comparisons to Gio Bernard when he first got on campus. He's had some injury issues that have kept him from being able to take over a bulk of the carries, but it feels like this may be his year to break out as a junior. And then you've got Javante Williams, who I thought was just fantastic towards the end of last season, looked really good in the spring game again. And then Antonio Williams, the transfer from Ohio State, who was extremely highly touted coming out of high school and, you know, showed some signs last year, especially early in the year, that he can bring something to the table. Is this the strongest unit on this North Carolina offense for sure? And do you think that that's going to help to nurture what right now is, is still a relatively youthful quarterback position? Yeah, if you're talking best unit on the offense, it's got to either be the running backs or the receivers. Um, but I think, yeah, the running backs make a strong case. Uh, I mean, some of you guys coming back, like you said, Michael Carter, Antonio Williams, Jordan Brown, they combined for 1,500 yards last year, 10 touchdowns. So that's a lot of production back, a lot of experience back, talent. Um, and I, I did mention uh, you know, Longo being kind of along the Mike Leach uh, train of thought there, uh, but also though I think it, at his fullest offense, when it's most fully evolved, he does want to still mix in some run game. It's not going to be UNC's not going to throw the ball seventy times a game. Um, you know, it's going to be obviously all those concepts I talked about with passing, but there's going to be some roots here with a power running attack. I kind of I think that his long term goal is to make, turn it into kind of an Oklahoma like a Lincoln Riley, uh, where yes you have some air raid concepts and the, and the passing game is strong, but it's still rooted with some power football with the tackles when you need to uh, and keeping the defense honest, uh, you know, in all facets of the game. So um, definitely excited for this trio of running backs. And, uh, yeah, I think that – and, yeah, like we're saying, with the quarterbacks are going to be a little young and maybe the interior line is, is going to transition. So I think you rely on your strengths um, and getting these guys as many touches as you can. So maybe it doesn't go full air raid in year one, but um, getting everyone involved, especially uh, this trio of backs – well, the last thing that I want to ask you offensively, you know, Phil Longo's offenses have produced some great wide receivers over the last two years at Ole Miss. I mean, this past year was just an absolute, uh, just, just a stack group with A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, and Demarcus Lodge. Carolina's got some talent at wide receiver, and I think that the guy that's going to benefit the most from it is Daz Newsom. Is that kind of how you see it as well? Do you think that he's going to be the guy that's going to take the biggest step forward out of all the wide receivers? Uh, yeah, he could be the guy. Um, another name I'm hearing that they uh, they moved Corey Bell over to the slot, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, in this offense, it's it's pretty unique in that. Um, a lot of the, vet, the routes are actually variable, right? It's not as much uh, drawing plays in the sand. It's kind of you're, you're, go, you're running your route and kind of breaking it off based on the coverage, and there's an understanding between the QB and the running – sorry, the QB and the receivers mm-hmm. um, just to get open and find open grass. So I think these little slot receivers are going to benefit more than, you know, the outside-type receivers um, just because there's so many, you know, variations of routes and little undercut routes and just getting open in space. So I'm pretty excited to see that. Um, I would have loved to see Anthony Radliff Williams stay, but uh, the early declaration there for the NFL hurts. Um, But, yeah, I think there's enough guys around – 
I think what's going to happen here in year one, I think they're going to learn a few concepts and just hammer the heck out of them and just master those concepts. It might not be the fully evolved offense in year one, but uh, if they can if they can really just nail down a few uh, you know route concepts and, and, and passing concepts, I think it'll be great going forward. Talking to Brett Ciancia of Pick 6 Previews, it is the best place to get all of your college football preseason information, and he's talking with us about the 2019 Tar Heel season. So let's turn to the defensive side of the football. First of all, I love the hire of Jay Bateman. I thought it was a fantastic hire. I know that he played for a team that is basically the complete opposite when we talk offensive styles because they're a, a group that I mean they're gonna they're gonna slow it down at Army but here we're, we're gonna be speeding it up a lot this year I still feel like you know with Jay Bateman's defense you talked about positionless football some guys that are really just athletic it really could have a nice effect on you know what this Carolina defense is able to do as opposed to what they've been able to do the last few seasons under Larry Fedora which is not not really a whole lot, if we're being really honest. But when you look at this defense, I think depth is one of the biggest issues w- with this defense, especially at linebacker and at safety. H- how do you mask some of those weaknesses? Is, is it just, you know, you got to be able to have some of your guys that are able to stay on the field for long periods of time? And do you think that the offense is going to make that a lot tougher, you know, to said to be done than uh, to be done? Yeah, I think depth could be an issue. Um, but one thing I like to say about Jay Bateman is, I mean, he's he's pretty adaptable. He's pretty he's able to take tough situations and make them great. Like uh, with Army, they have the roster restrictions, and, you know, the military science restrictions, mm-hmm. and uh, he was still able to, to produce, you know, uh, gr- strong gritty defenses. And uh, we talked about the positionless stuff and the hybrid stuff. So I think that um, yeah, he runs a three four. I think that when he talks about some depth issues across the field, I think he's just going to try and get the you know, the eleven best athletes on the field. Obviously, you have your your certain specs you need along the D line, um, but it's it's going to be a lot of athletic play out there and uh, kind of plug and play. Have guys rotate from that rush edge over to you know outside backer, back to safety. Even um, I saw with the transfer portal that UNC got hit pretty hard uh, defensively, losing five defenders. It did get four-star Cameron Kelly out of there, but uh, it, it seems like a net loss with the portal this year. Um, yeah, and it'll be pretty young, too. You have the top three tacklers are gone from last year, mm-hmm. uh, and UNC ranks just number 76 in returning defensive production. So a solid rebuild on his hands. Um, but bigger picture, I think it's a great hire. Uh, and I think the UNC, UNC fans should, you know, with a grain of salt this year, the expectation level, because this defense is going through its third new scheme in four years. Uh, that's tough to pick up. You had Chizik with that, that conservative bend-don't-break 4-3, and you had Papuchis running that Polini-style 4-2-5, you know, the, I think they call it the peso style. Um, and then you bring in Bateman. So, yeah, it'll be an adjustment. Uh, but Bateman himself is a great hire. He was a Broyles Award finalist uh, two of the last three years at Army, which is given to the best assistant coach in the country. Um, and underrated, uh, he, he has some roots within the state here. So he spent five years at, uh, at Elon, and he's been recruiting within the state of North Carolina for 15 years. So he's got roots. I think overall it was a genius pick. And, uh, again, it, it, it gets back to what I said at the top about the Mac Brown hire. He had to really grade on the coordinator and the staff, uh, not so much Mac himself. And uh, I think so far he's aced it. 
I mean, there are some guys that are standouts on this defense. I mean, guy, it's huge to get a guy like Aaron Crawford back. You got Timon Fox, who will probably be playing uh, more outside linebacker than a hand-in-the-dirt defensive end this year. Um, Jason Strobridge, I thought, took a nice step last year. So the defensive line really seems to be the strength. And then there are, you know, there are some talented guys out at the cornerback positions, really like Patrice Rene, as well as the nickelback Trey Morrison. So you know, is is there you know enough talent here where you think that this unit could you know end up you know I, I guess could it keep itself from you know forcing some issues to where Carolina is not able to win games because we've seen that over the last couple of years where they've made so many mistakes that they've ended up losing games. I mean, one that comes to mind last year was the game on the road against Duke where they just could not stop anything that Daniel Jones and that offense was able to do. I mean, do they have enough talent to where they can get out of their own way? Yeah, there's a good list of guys you mentioned there. Another guy, Miles Dorn, a free safety, too. I think uh, you said the D-line's a strength. I, I probably agree. And the next up would be the secondary. Uh, the You know, the starting secondary, the depth might be an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're right. I think it's it, it's all up from last year, especially in the rushing defense last year. Uh, finishing, you know, 111th in rush defense, but uh, more so, we, we look at all this stuff too. Yards per carry is kind of a better metric, and they were still 110th there. Um, explosive rush, you know, being able to defend against a long play, they were 117th. So just the, the breakdowns, I, I bet a lot of that was Pitt. The more I think, look at that stat right there. Um, but uh, yeah, I think the defensive breakdowns need to need to come to us come to a halt. Um, but like we said, I think that Bateman will, will find enough pieces to get. You know, get enough athletes on the field around. Uh, kind of the, the the counterpoint to this whole, you know, these new schemes is that the, the other coaches in the coastal and across the ACC, they have no, uh, you know, they don't have as much experience playing against and scheming against these kind of guys. So uh, I think they can call up and surprise some people. I see that they're kind of the trendy pick to finish last in the coastal across the country. I disagree with that. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see if they can catch some, some teams off guard. One. Talking to Brett Ciancia of Pick 6 Preview. So now, uh, let's look at the schedule here. Uh, when I first looked at it earlier this year when it was first released, I immediately focused on that early part of the schedule because there is a little bit of an interesting stretch there where I think Carolina has to get something done. I mean, they've got to beat Wake Forest. They've got to beat App State. Those two, I think, are must-wins early on in the schedule. And then I think you have to beat either South Carolina or Miami because it doesn't look as of right now that you're in position to beat Clemson. I mean, you never really know. We've seen it in past years where Clemson has fallen to a team uh, like Pittsburgh the year that they went to the national championship in 2016 and won. But, you know, one would think that that's not going to end up happening. When you look at this schedule, is is the early part of the schedule really uh, the the most important part? Do they is it necessary that they get off to a three and two start or at least a two and three start in order to get some momentum rolling for this season? Uh, yeah, I think that like you said, the schedule is definitely front loaded, and I'm actually taking the the opposite angle on this, where you see uh, with first year coaches, especially ones that are going through massive scheme changes all offensively. Two examples I can think of are last year UCLA Chip Kelly 
and uh, Nebraska Scott Frost. I think they both started 0-6, 0-7 or something like that. And once October and November rolled around, they got their guys in, in the right spots and really fully learned the offense. They had those things rolling. Um, uh, so looking at this schedule, I think, uh, yeah, some of your toughest games are at the beginning anyway. So I think you'd probably lose against South Carolina, uh, lost to Miami. Definitely lose to Clemson. Uh, I have you guys winning one of the two out of the Wake Forest and App State. I don't really know much about App State though. To to fully be uh, you know, to be honest here, we don't cover the group of five. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just know that they're a strong brand. And uh, but with scatter with a uh, Satterfield moving on to Louisville, not sure where they're at. Either way, it'll be a tough one. But I see that the second half of the schedule with a lot more winnable games. I think you beat Georgia Tech. Is going through a, a serious trend. We're talking transition here. I mean, their offense over there is just being blown to pieces. Right. Um, so I think you beat Georgia Tech. But really what, what I have my eye on with UNC is those last three games. I think you go through nine games. You go through two bye weeks. And I think you come out um, – in November, uh, with the offense really, uh, really humming, and by then you found your quarterback of the three, uh, and he has some solid playing time and conference playing time under his belt. I think you go into those last three games and you win them all. I think you beat Pitt, uh, who I'm actually really pessimistic on last year. Uh, according to our game grader formula, they really should not have won that division. Um, so Pitt, I think you beat them. Mercer is one of those, you know, FCS wins. And then NC State, honestly, uh, we, we put a tweet out uh, this weekend. They lose so much offensively. I mean, they lose Ryan Finley, a you know, three- or four-year starter, a 1,000-yard rusher, two 1,000-yard receivers, the coordinator, you know, like three offensive or three All-American linemen. So I think NC State's also winnable at the end. So if you can muster up uh, a win or two out of that, that middle section against Virginia Tech, Duke, and UVA, uh, I think a bowl game is definitely on the table. Here's the final question that I'll ask you, and then we'll let you go. When you look at what you would consider to be a successful second tenure in Chapel Hill for Mac Brown, what do you look and, and envision that to be? Because I think it's kind of all over the place. There's some that think with especially how he's recruiting right now, this team should be challenging for a playoff spot by the time he's leaving. There's others that say as long as he returns this team to winning seven to eight games a year, then that would be satisfactory. Where do you see that 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 line where people will consider it successful falling? Oof, I mean, that's a tough one. I, I guess it's all about perspective because right now UNC football is, you know, kind of in the, in the dumps uh, after Fedora leaving. So I think I think year one, a good success would make a bowl. If you can make a bowl, even if you don't, if you, if you show that you're improving as the season goes on, the offense, you can see the concepts are coming together. Um, maybe go four and eight, five and seven, but, but a strong finish. Uh, a bowl would be excellent. Uh, but more so if you're able to, to keep this recruiting surge going and lock in a top 15 class in the 2020 uh, recruiting class on signing day, have a lot of buzz going into 2020. And then at that point, you have a second year starting quarterback, um, a second year in both schemes, offensively and defensively. Uh, and I think you make a push there because the Coastal, just in general, uh, with Miami and Virginia Tech not you know, not at their mid-90s and 2000s, uh, you know, high points. The Coastal's very winnable. That's six games every year that are very winnable. Um, and then with the, the ACC only with, with an eight-game slate, you also have four non-conference games that, that could potentially be winnable. So I think, uh, yeah, so my goals would be five or six wins this year, but, you know, seeing some tangible 
development. Uh, continued that into a big signing class, top 15, top 20 signing class with a lot of buzz, and then really executing that year two, maybe year three, and break into the 10-win area and and, uh, and win the Coastal. Because that's, that's definitely up for grabs. Um, in terms of long term, uh, I don't know. I think it's going to be tough to predict uh, where everyone else is at with Miami and Virginia Tech if they can bounce back or not. Um, national title is that's a, t- a tough expectation to place on a guy um, and and on a program that you know hasn't really been in that discussion since the last time he was here, really. So um, yeah, I, I would taper the national title expectations, but if you can get up there winning the coastal in some years or most years, that'd be a, a damn good success. Brett Ciancia of Pick Six Previews. Uh, this was fantastic, man. Thanks for coming on. We've, uh, I, I know I tried to get you on last year and unfortunately wasn't able to, but this has been fantastic. I definitely wanted to get you on this year and I'm so happy. So tell people where they can follow you guys at because I know you guys have your preview coming out sometime in July, if I'm correct. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and thanks again, Anthony. Uh, you know, it, it, you're one of our go-to UNC followers. If anything ever happens with UNC, we go check out your Twitter too. Um, so we we'll definitely recommend that to my guys too, our, our national our national followers. Um, yeah, for Pick Six Previews, uh, follow us at Pick Six Previews. Uh, we have daily content coming out, and we've been doing that for the last seven years. But our, our main feature is the season preview coming out mid July. Uh, it's going to be the 65 Power Five teams, uh, full write-ups, a little bit deeper cuts than you get on newsstands. Really, um, digging into it, you get a lot of graphics, a lot of info, stats, and graphics. Uh, you know, recruiting trends, five-year uh, win-loss trends, uh, stat boxes, our game grader formula that um, that really evaluates the key stats of a game. You know, yardage differential, scoreboard, turnovers, the whole bit, and kind of grades a, a team season. Uh, a lot of stuff going on. A lot of good graphics and. Um, and uh, yeah, so so if you follow us on Twitter, you'll see more updates on that as we get closer to the date. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'm definitely going to be reading up and making sure that I know everything about not only the Tar Heels, but every other team in the ACC so I can make sure that I got my predictions right. So, uh, hey, Brett, thank you so much, man. Uh, We'll definitely have to have you on sometime down the line to talk a little more about Tar Heel football. And I really appreciate the great words from you. Um, You know, I I try to do my best to keep everybody informed, and I'm glad that uh, you guys are are, are keeping touch with – you know, Carolina football through me. That's that's awesome to hear, man. Yeah, thanks for the praise again, Anthony, and uh, thanks for having us on. We'd love to con- come on anytime during the year or anything. Uh, uh, looking forward to 2019. I'm sure you guys are too. That's right, we are. So uh, we'll we'll uh, let you go, and we'll talk to you down the line. Okay. All right. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Brett Ciancia of Pick 6 Previews. Guys, this is part of the preview area of the podcast. We did this last year. We're going to do it again this year. Some of the same faces coming on. Steven Lassen of Athlon Sports, Bill Bender of Sporting News coming back on. And, of course, as you guys know, if you listen to last night's edition with Tim Chapman of Bowl of Chips podcast, he did a great job. We're going to be having Phil Steele back on later on here in this month, actually just 10 days away, June 20th. 20th, Phil Steele will be stopping by to break everything down with this Tar Heel football team. I am intrigued to see what he is going to say about this Tar Heel football team for the 2019 season and where his expectations are, especially considering that he was high on us last year. I wonder whether or not he'll be high on us again this year. So, want to thank Brett Ciancia from Pick 6 Previews one more time. Make sure you guys go follow at Pick 6 Previews on Twitter for all of the information 
information that you need on the 2019 college football season. They'll have some great stuff coming out probably uh, throughout the offseason about the Tar Heels and about the ACC Coastal. And then, of course, they'll have their preview coming out in July. So, once again, thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels! Go Tar Heels!